Thank you. That's so we're in our series. We're in the last part of our series of Lives Matter. The series where we looked the last six weeks of some things that, you know, weren't really easy things to talk about. There are things such as adultery or divorce or revenge, things that we really just are kind of uncomfortable. But I think Jesus is wanting us to look at those things, and he's asking us to do something. He's asking a little bit more of us. He's just asking us because our lives matter to him. And so today's no exception. Today is actually a subject that I have spoke on before. It's something that uh, is familiar to you. You can probably guess on it. Some of you laugh, so you know it's love. So I'm asked to speak on love. But it's pretty easy. We can all think of it's easy loving your neighbor. That's a pretty easy thing to do. But now in this passage, what about loving your enemy? That's, that's not such an easy task to do. So I thought, well, we're talking about our enemies, so maybe I'll make a list of my enemies and share those with you. Maybe you guys will have some similar enemies on the list, and maybe you can mentally kind of make some in your own. And so first, here's, here's my list. So I've got the New England Patriots, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox, and the Boston Celtics. Well, doesn't everybody have those on their list? Well, thank you, Drew. Thank you. Well, they're close, but. So now that you probably figured out, some of my favorite teams are the Broncos, the Yankees, and the Lakers, which you know already. But let's look at a more of a more real list of what maybe would be on your list. You know, some of you, I might be on your list now because of. I might have, you might like those Boston teams. But how about your boss? Boss might be your enemy. Or what about coaches and referees? We, yep, we treat those pretty badly sometimes. What about my neighbor or your neighbor? He might be your enemy. Or your parents or other people's in your, other members of your family. They could be part of your Emily, or your enemies. Enemies. This is an easy one, someone that murders somebody. That's easy to probably have on your enemy list. Sometimes our coworkers. A dictator. How about people that just look different than me? Their hairdos might be different. Their lifestyles might be different. The clothes they wear might be different. Sometimes that we look at them as just our enemy. What about if they don't live in the same area we live in? They live in a different part of town. Do we sometimes just lump them as an enemy? Here's one I think we all can classify as that, the government or elected officials. Those sometimes we classify as, as enemies. What about Child Protective Services? CPS. That's one maybe we put in there as enemy. This is one that that's gets a lot of news is police. Police or law enforcement. What about someone that's not the same religion as I am? I'm not just talking about Baptists. Well, they're actually on the same team, so I'm not including them at all. But, but what about someone that's like a Scientology or Hindu or Muslim? One of those religions we just don't see them the same as us. Maybe we're somebody here, and maybe it's us in this room. Maybe it's church people. We see the church as the enemy. With that, maybe non-church people. 
Maybe unbelievers. Maybe those are our enemies. I didn't give real specific names on this. I just gave some general titles. I did that for a reason, just to kind of get our mind thinking. And some of you might think, you know, some of these people really aren't our enemy, but have you ever listened to the way people talk to referees and coaches? If you try to tell me they're not your enemy, then I don't know. The language you use is, it's, it's the way I would talk to an enemy. And how about those poor little ladies that work at the, the where you get your driver's license, or you get your driver's license, your license plates? How about those poor little ladies there? So have you ever been there lately? It, it's rather interesting. You go there, and there's always somebody there. They're just mad to begin with. And so sure enough, Somebody comes up, and they just walk right to the front of the line, and they go right in. And this person's just mad, and they're just, they got smoke coming out of their ears. And they go up to the guy, and they go, excuse me, sir, excuse me. The line's back there. And the guy turns around and says, I know, but I have an appointment. And then you look at the sign, and it says, if you don't want to wait in line for appointments, please make an appointment and call this number. But then this lady gets to the top front of the line, and she's, by this time, she is so mad, she can't hardly even speak. And these poor ladies that are just trying to help them, they just, she just starts screaming at them and yelling at them. Sometimes go there just for entertainment, just to watch it, because it, <laughs> it is kind of funny. But what I really want to have us think about today is the people that don't go to church, people that don't believe the same way I believe, those unbelievers, the people that we might see as being maybe unlovely. They're unlovable. So I ask, do we want to hang around them? Do we hang out with them ever? Do they want to hang out with us? And maybe do you think we should even hang out with them? <coughs> so when was the last time that you had one of those people over for dinner? When was the last time you had somebody that you would put in that group. You befriended them, took them to coffee. You did something for them. So are they our neighbors or our enemies? What about if I ask them? What if I ask them that question? How do they think about us? But they say, oh yeah, those people are a hope center. They're what? They're what? Do they see us as... Do, do they see us as someone that says, oh yeah, I don't feel welcome there. I don't want to go there ever. Or do they say, oh yeah, those people at Hope Center, they love me just the way I am. And, you know, I've got to give all of you guys credit for something because I was sitting in my office last in the last couple of weeks, and you know, we can hear people talk as they go by sometimes, and we were in the office just sitting there, and I, I heard a group of people come by, and Someone asked, what is this building? They go, oh, that's Hope Center. That's the church here. And then they said, oh, yeah, Hope Center. I know about that place. They said, they care about people there. They care about who I am. So I'm giving this church credit. That I, I, that's, that's what I heard coming by some, some of these people, non-church people, the unbelievers. So good job. Today I want to do something a little different. We're going to try something a little different. I want us all to stand up. I know we didn't get enough exercise during worship, so we got to stand up a little bit. So today, I want us to, to read the scripture today together. And it comes out of Matthew 5, 43 through 48. I'll wait for Bev to get it up there. 
then we'll start. I want us all to read it together as a group. So let's start. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's remain standing and we'll pray. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word today. I just pray that our hearts and our ears are open. I pray that uh, as these words challenged people thousands of years ago, that they will also challenge us, and they will help us to love our enemies better. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, everybody can sit down. So show of hands, who has heard of love your neighbor and hate your enemy? Who's heard that before? There's got to be more than that. I, I figured all of us would say that we've heard that before. But, so, but that's something that we've, that we've probably have heard in the past. And I would like us to look, in Leviticus 19.18 it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Then if we look in Exodus 23, verses 4 through 5, that'll be on the screen. It says, if you come across your enemy's ox or donkey wandering off, be sure to take it back to him. If you see the donkey of someone who hates you falling down under its load, do not leave it there. Be sure you help him with it. <coughs> now I look at these two verses, and I don't see a lot of love your neighbor and hate your enemy on this. And so it makes you wonder, where did that come from? Why was that? Why did Jesus begin this 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 passage of you have heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy and really this concept came from your neighbor if you were a fellow Israelite that was your neighbor everybody else was your enemy and that's where that that whole thing came from and so by the time Jesus came around this was just part of the culture this is this is just the way it was if you were an Israelite well you were my enemy and I look around this room, and I'm not sure I see any Israelites in here. Is anybody from Israel? But what I do know is that God loves all of us. He loves every single one of us as we are. And it says in Scripture that we're created as his image, that we're unique. And that as we've been learning these last few weeks is that all lives matter to him. So maybe what is Jesus kind of asking these people to do? What is he asking us? What is he, what is he asking uh, for all of us to do? And I think that's the, the title that we have today is Be Perfect. And what I mean by that is not perfect as a person, because that's impossible. We have a saying right outside the door there that says no perfect people allowed. And there was one perfect person, though. There's one perfect person. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the only human that ever came to earth that was perfect. But did you notice something else that, you, that Matthew is writing in these verses? What he's writing about us, and he's writing about our enemies. What he's writing about the church people and the unchurched people. About the righteous and the unrighteous. 
He's putting us all kind of in a group together. That he's not holding anything back from either group. That, in a way, God looks at us all the same. Well, you might say, well, that's not fair. That's not fair. I, I, Jesus, I follow you. God, I follow you. Why can't, why do you give this person blessing and this person blessing? Well, that's not fair. You may say, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. But if we look at verse 45, it says, the sun rises on the evil and the good. Rain comes from the ri- for the righteous and the unrighteous. Have you ever given that any thought? Have you ever given that, that little passage much thought? You know, did you notice that the sun came up yesterday? sun came up today. And I'm pretty sure the sun will come up tomorrow. Came up for me. Came up for all of you. And you know what? It's going to come up for my enemies, too. A couple Wednesdays ago, do you remember what happened a couple Wednesdays ago? Big snowstorm. I didn't... I didn't see the snow just come and fall on Tim's house. I think I saw it fall on everybody's house. So God didn't pick or choose who it fell on. It, it, it fell on all of us. So my point here is that, that God, he brings blessings and things to everybody. He doesn't discriminate against somebody. He cares for all of us. He loves all of us. What about the verse John 3.16? the verse we probably most of us know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This verse doesn't say God so loved the Israelites. God so loved Hope Center. God so loved just me. It says God so loved the world. Every one of us. Even the Boston fans. Even the Boston fans that go to the motor vehicle division and yell at people. He loves all of us. So I think what Jesus is saying is we can't determine who God decides to shine some sun on. Who God decides to bless. Maybe a job. Maybe it's a healthy family. Maybe it's just things that bring joy to us. And I think we can all think of people in our lives where there's a, someone we consider our neighbor, someone that's like us, someone that loves Jesus, and we can also think of people that are probably enemies to God, that don't like Jesus, that just seem to have blessings upon them, that just seem to have, you know, whether they're a friend or a foe, they seem to be living a life where things just seem to be really going really, really well for them. And what about when it says when rain pours down on them? You might look at this as raining down blessings. You might look at this as water for crops, provision. But I also think that maybe sometimes the rain pours and it brings tragedy. That maybe it brings illness, it brings death. It brings things when life just doesn't seem fair. And again, I think friend or foe. It happens to both of us. But sometimes don't we find that in the midst of tragedy that sometimes those lead to greatest blessings. But then I think and I go, but that's not just for the Christ followers. I can think of people too that have faced tragedies 
for Christ followers and non-Christ followers, and it just seems to bring a blessing to them. But God loves them both. He loves them both. So good things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. So I think Jesus is kind of saying, come on, people. Just because you're an Israelite doesn't mean you're all that. It doesn't mean that it's just you that's going to receive all of these blessings, all of these things, that God cares about both of us. That just because you love God and you love your neighbor, your neighbor being those people that look like me, that act like me, that I like, that God loves your neighbor and he loves your enemy. That life happens for both you and your enemy. God chooses to bring good things and bad things for both of us. So now think of this, this, is, this would be God speaking. So God is saying, you know what? All I want is for you to love me more. To love each other as I love you. To be my children. To love those that don't love me. I want you to love them to the point that perhaps they will love me. So think back to that list of enemies that I made. And sometimes, I mean, every single one of us in this room can probably think at some point in time we were all on a list, somebody's list of being an enemy. Somebody was mad at me. But did you know God had a list? God has a list. Did you guys know that? God has a list. Some of us are off that list. Some of us are still on it. And you're looking at me like, well, what list are you talking about? That's the list of God's enemies. Weren't we all on that at some point? Weren't we all on that list at some point? So we were all God's enemies. Just think about that for a minute. Let that sink in that, we was, that I was God's enemy. Let's look at Romans 5.10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. God provided us a way. Provided us a way for, to no longer be his enemy. But that came at a price. Came at a price as his son. His son Jesus that died on a cross. Are we willing to love our enemy that much? Are we willing to love them to the point of death? Are we willing to love them to the point where we're willing to give our son or daughter for death, like God did? Because God was. That's what he did. Because our lives mattered so much to him. Let's look at James 4.4. 4. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you, t you make yourself an enemy of God. Read these two verses and I go, then who am I? Who am I to hate my enemy? Do I see people as an enemy? Do my enemy see me as an enemy? And then again, I go, who am I? Because I was once an enemy of God. Seems kind of hypocritical of me to think that I could hate my enemy when God could hate me also. But he doesn't. He loves me. God loves me just as he loves my enemy. 
Some will come up tomorrow for my enemy and for me. That God will bring the rain or snow for both of us. So I think I need to do something. I think I need to be perfect. Not perfect in the sense of my life, but I think I need to have a perfect love. Verse 48 says, Perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. They said Jesus isn't talking about our daily lives. So it's impossible to be that perfect. But I think what he's asking us to do is to be perfect in our love for each other. In our outline, you have a triangle there. The top point of your triangle is God. This is God how he demonstrates his love for us. God's part of that perfect triangle. So we discussed he brings the sun and the rain for everybody. The unchurched people. Those people that we don't like. The ones we consider our enemies. And also for us. Maybe it's people that live in different parts of town. Go to different churches. God loves them all. He loves the unlovable people. Next blank on our outline is our neighbors. That one's pretty easy to do, to love our neighbors, to love our friends. You know, even the unlovable people love the unlovable people. They love each other. It doesn't make us any better than them because we love our neighbor. When we greet each other, that's easy. We like that. And like I said, even our enemies do that. And something, you do realize that your enemies have friends, don't you? You do realize that just because maybe I don't like them doesn't mean everybody else does. Our enemies have friends. In fact, they might even have more friends than me. The last part of our triangle is our enemies. We're able to love our friends. We're able to love God. We're able to love the people we like. But if we add our enemies in there, we then get a perfect triangle. And I think that's the perfect that Jesus is talking about. So we need to let our love be perfect. When I said in Romans 5.10, God showed us how much he loved us. Showed us how much he loved his enemy, which is all of us. He loved us so much that he gave us his son to die on the cross for us, to take us off of that enemy list. When we decided to turn from the world, when we decided to love God and follow him, when we decided to accept the price that God paid, when we decided to accept the price that his son dying on the cross for us, it's that kind of perfect love. A love that wants our enemy not to be our enemy anymore. So what if I loved you regardless of what political side you're on? It doesn't matter. Whether you live on the south side, you live on the north side, you live on the west side, you live in the Heights, you live in Lockwood, you live in Shepherd, you live in Pryor, it doesn't matter. I love you anyway. It doesn't matter what town you live in, what country you're from, what religion you are. I love regardless. If all that stuff that we think matters just doesn't matter anymore. Do we just love our, we love our enemy? Do we love it if, if you go to church or if you don't go to church? 
We love you if you love Jesus or don't love Jesus. And this is a big part that it doesn't matter if you decide to ever follow Jesus. I'm still going to love you the same. I'm going to love you regardless. So why shouldn't I? God loved me that way. Jesus loves me that way. So I need to keep loving you anyway. It's a love that demonstrates to our enemy that our lives matter. A life, a love, where all lives matter. Now you're, this is great stuff. It's good, it's, it, it's good pr- stuff, but how do we do this? It's good to think about it. It's good to read these words, but how do I do this? But the text tells us, gives us a little, little glimpse of how to do this. First thing is that we pray. So we pray for people. Pray for our enemies. Just give it a try. What do you have to lose? What is there to lose? What we might gain is a friend. What you, what you may do is be an example that helps someone begin a new life with Jesus. A life where they're no longer an enemy of God. They're no longer my enemy. An enemy that, well, I once was too. Because your enemy's life matters. The next thing we can do is we can love them. We don't just love our buddies, but we love our enemies in such a way that it creates this environment that it makes our enemy comfortable and easy for them to become our friend. Love that's just freely given to our enemies. Like God brings up the sun to our enemies and to us in the ring, to all of us. The love where God gave his son, son being S-O-N, the son to die for us because he loved us so much. So what if we chose to love that way? What if we chose to love that way? Again, because the life of our enemy matters. The last one is what if we greet them? We greet our friends. Do we greet our enemies the same way? Or do we see an enemy coming and we just go and we walk away? We try to avoid them. Why can't we greet our enemies? I think all of us, I watch this during greeting time and we all like a handshake and a hug and a touch and just the greeting time. We all really like that greeting time, but don't you think our enemies maybe like that too? Don't you think they like to be greeted? Even Boston fans like to be greeted. Again, what do we have to lose? The only thing we have to lose is a chance to make our love perfect. Now, the last few weeks, there's been a couple things in the press that I think demonstrate this. The first one of, of it is, I'm sure we all know who George W. Bush and Ellen DeGeneres are. Does everybody know who they are? Obviously, George W. Bush was a president. Ellen DeGeneres is a comedian. She has a talk show. She's on every day. A lot of people watch her. Two different, different lifestyles. Completely different lifestyles. Very opposing religion. You name it, they're opposites. I think the world would look at them as enemies. Well, a few weeks ago, they were both at a football game. 
together, in the same booth together, sitting next to each other, laughing together, joking together, having fun together. And the uproar that that caused, people were demanding Ellen, like, how could you do that? How could you possibly be seen with that man? And this is what she had to say. She said, here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to have friends that don't believe the same with you. It's okay to do that. Now, didn't Jesus hang out with all kinds of these people? Tax collectors? Fishermen? Prostitutes? Many people would be considered our enemy. But Jesus loved them. It's okay. So there's another piece of news in the, that's been, this has been going on for about a year but finally the trial has come and gone and um, sentencings have been done. I have an image on the screen, and it's a re- this is a very, very complex issue, and I'm not going to get into a lo- those details at all. I'm just going to get it really, the emotions that come up by the, the pictures. This is the judge hugging the woman after he, she sentenced her. She also had a Bible that she gave him. Then the next picture picture of a, of a man hugging the same woman. And then, Bev, you can put the next picture up. So do we recognize those images? Some of us recognize those images. Those are the images of a police officer that shot and killed, for all intents and purposes, an innocent man. She went to the wrong room. Wrong. She thought she was in the right, her, her apartment. It was the wrong apartment. This guy was just sitting there eating ice cream and watching TV, I think. Shot him. These are the images when she was at her sentencing. Again, we're not going to get into a lot of the, the, the deep issues. I just want us to look at these images and the raw emotion that comes from that. And what I want to focus on is the man hugging the woman. For those of you that don't know, know that, that's th- that man, that's the brother of the guy that was killed the brother who had every intent and or every reason to say that this woman is her enemy his enemy her brother his brother was shot he didn't do anything wrong he could hate this woman and want the worst for her but what i want to do is i want to read some quotes of of the things he said before he hugged her And this is what he said. He goes, I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to hope you rot and die. I personally want the best for you. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what Botham would want for you. Give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ is the best thing Botham would want for you. He then asked the judge if he could get up and Give the woman a hug. Let me show that image again. 
brother expressed love. Why? This woman should be a, an enemy. Somebody shot one of my family members. I'm not sure I would be able to do that. I'd want revenge. Probably hate my enemy. But maybe why he did this is because the life of this police officer mattered. He's expressing love for this woman. He's expressing it love in such a way that hopefully it'd be easy for her to express love for Jesus. Maybe express love for Jesus and, well, maybe become his neighbor. Become a sister in Christ. I think this is the perfect love that Jesus is talking about. The perfect love where you love your enemy. The perfect love that all you want is for them to share the same life you have. The same eternal life in Jesus. The same perfect love that allows you to embrace your enemy. The perfect love that lets your enemy know that their life matters. Let's pray.